through the storm. It's in your holy name that we say these things together. Amen. Amen, church. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, worship team, choir. Great to be with all of you. Happy New Year again. Um, I, I'm sure the, the chorus we just sang has been uh, sung quite a few times in the region of Kentucky where the tornadoes wreaked havoc uh, in December. And I wanted to report to you what we're trying to do as a church. This past week, we sent out a, uh, a text to the entire church. I don't know if you received it or not, but we had a number of people respond. We are sending a team to that part of Kentucky, uh, January 19 through 23. And we'll be doing some distribution work with a ministry called City Impact. Uh, if, if you want to go, um, this would not be the team to be on, but we will be trying to send another team in the future, so stay tuned for that. Also want to let you know that uh, the, the, the chapel is making a sizable donation to the ministry we're connected with there just to help them along. So anyway, good, a good thing to, to be able to do. So pray for those uh, dear people in Kentucky, and I know it's southern Illinois, Tennessee, but wow, what they've been through that their souls would be still and know that God is in control. Having said that, allow me to pray just for a moment, please. God, thank you um, that we can trust you. You know what we don't. You see what we do not. And um, you call us to trust you. And I pray for those friends in Kentucky, the people we don't even know, that you would give them the strength to lean into you and give the churches wisdom as they seek to do their part to be a light to a dark world and a needy world and give us wisdom to know our part as well. Thank you for this opportunity to continue worship now and to look at your word and to learn from it. Teach us. Help us to become more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you had a good uh, holiday time, rest and relaxation. That's so important. It makes me think of vacation time, which I try to take seriously when I can take vacation. It's important, rest and relaxation. Uh, sleep is so important. Some of us get, do better at sleep than others. Um, we understand the value of vacation time, sleep, rest and relaxation. Uh, when we are lacking, a cup of coffee will help or maybe a pot of coffee will help. But still, we, and we, the thing we need to avoid is exhaustion in our bodies, in our minds. We've got to be careful of that. But there's another type of exhaustion we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks, and that's exhaustion of our inner life, deep down in our souls. And that's what we want to address, because that can happen to any of us, as we'll see as we go through this series. Um, some interesting words of Jesus. I'll, I'll start with, with these words of Jesus. It's found in Matthew chapter 16. And it goes like this. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And it seems a little bit counterintuitive to the culture we live in because we live in a society where you know, we can kind of get what we want where, uh, when we want it and, and wherever we want it. And, uh, you know, then when we do, life will be better, life will be all good. But Jesus says, watch out for your soul. We can pay a price. What is that price if we gain the whole world but lose it? How do we do that? How, how do we guard our souls? How do we guard our inner life? 
um, in a world where the shiniest, brightest thing is always better, or in a culture where um, you know, it's just hard to say no to something, or maybe you have a personality where it's just hard to say no to somebody who wants something from you. And how, how, do, we, how do we guard our souls in a reality where maybe we have control over a lot of things, and we do, but there are a lot of things rushing at us over which we have no control? How do I guard my soul? How do I keep my self from deep down in getting exhausted? And so that's the series we're in, exhausted. So starting today, over the next few weeks, we're going to address some, some issues related to this whole idea of exhaustion. We're exhausted because we give into temptation far too easily. That'll be the theme of one weekend. Another weekend, we are striving for the approval of others. Another weekend, we are trying to control everything and everyone. But today, what we're talking about is we are living at a faster pace than we were created for. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you've been walking down the hallway at work or talking to a family member or somebody in the neighborhood and you ask the question, how you doing? And the response is what? I'm okay, just so busy. You've probably found yourself saying that this past week. I'm just so busy. I remember early in my years as a pastor, I was told, never say to somebody, I'm so busy. Because it makes somebody feel like they can't benefit from you know your time and your energy and so on but at times i just think wow how can i be dishonest how can i say any other but i'm just so busy and we are at times but we go through seasons we go through periods of time where we are so busy the question is does this busyness wreak havoc on our souls deep down on our in our in our private worlds there's a book written by an author by the name of John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The tagline is, how to, how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. In his book, he lists 10 symptoms of a, of a hurried, stressful, um, over-the-top life where everything is out of control, distracted, overworked, and so on. And He lists 10 symptoms. I'm not going to list all 10 on the screen, but I'll give you five of the symptoms, and, and here we go. One symptom is irritability. So to self-diagnose, don't look at how you treat a colleague or a neighbor. Look at how you treat those closest to you, your spouse, children, and friends. A symptom of being too hurried, too fast-paced, too distracted, too overworked. Uh, another one, restlessness. When you when you do try to slow down and rest, you can't relax. You go to bed early, but toss and turn with anxiety. Maybe that was your experience last night. Workaholism or nonstop activity. Maybe you're not fully employed somewhere, but you're at work all the time. You don't know when to stop. Worse, you can't stop. Your drugs of choice are accomplishment and accumulation. Out of order priorities. Your life is reactive, not proactive. You're busier than ever before yet still feel like you don't have time for what really matters. I'll, I'll give you a fifth one here. Escapist behaviors. We turn to our distraction of choice, overeating, overdrinking, overworking, binge-watching, Netflix, social media, or pornography. Do any of those five sound familiar? They do to me. We live in a world that, where we easily get exhausted. In his book, he gives a sort of a self-admission, a confession. He says this, 
I live with an undercurrent of nonstop activity that rarely goes away and a tinge of sadness, but mostly I just feel spiritually empty. It's like my soul is hollow. And that's a problem. Do you feel any of that? The, the good news is there is hope. We have scripture. We have God's word given to us. And in his word, he gives us an idea as to how not to become restless in our souls, how not to become exhausted deep down in. And there's a lot of things we could talk about. We're just going to look at a two-part plan, make it very easy. It's this. Embrace our design and discover what matters most. Let's start with how do we embrace our design? To do that, what we want to do is go back to the very beginning of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, where it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, just this morning, it, it, it was a news outlet, I was reading how they've discovered that dogs uh, can uh, pick up the, uh, different languages. So you speak English, they know if you're speaking Spanish or another language. I don't know how they know that's true. I'll tell you know, what, what I know is true. We're watching our, our son's and daughter-in-law's dog, Riley, this week. Honestly, that dog is so much fun. And when he looks me in the face, I think, there's a little human inside there. There's like a little person inside that dog. Maybe you have a cat like that. I don't know. But as much as you might love your dog or cat or think they are human-like, they are not. Animals live and survive by instinct alone. You know, people, we are created in the image of God. We are created like God. That doesn't mean we're omnipresent, omnipotent, um, omnipresent like God is, uh, omniscient, um, but we do have characteristics of God. For example, we are creative. We are dynamic thinkers. We can strategize with, with plans and purpose in mind. We, we are relational. We can emotionally connect with one another. And I know some of those things are, you think those things are present in the animal kingdom, but we are distinct. We are, we are, we are made like God. And there are other examples I could give. But that is only part of the story. We are like God. A few verses later in the next chapter, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. What, what are we reading there? We are finite. We are created from dust. We are not God. We are like God, but we are not God. And now maybe this is a good time for me to look at you and just say, as a pastor, you are not God. <laughs> or maybe it's a good time to look at the person next to you and just say, you are not God. We are not. But at times, we kind of act as if we are God. And that's what I want to get at as we talk about this whole idea of exhaustion. Um, for, for a lot of us, it's, it's very, for a lot of us, it depends on your personality, how you're raised, et cetera. But for a lot of us, it's very hard to utter that little word, that little two-letter word, no, Right? There's a pastor named Pete Scazzaro. He's a writer. He wrote the book, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in his book, he talks about how he tries not to say outright no to people. Instead, what he says, when somebody wants his time or wants him to participate in something, what he says is this, I'm not too busy, I'm just limited. And essentially what he's saying is, I am not unlimited like God, 
I am limited like a human being, and therefore I cannot. It's just an honest way of saying no. When my wife now says to me, can you vacuum the entire house? I just say, I am, I am so limited. Okay, there's a point where you don't use that phrase, but you get the point. The idea of no is, is so hard. It's just, it's just admitting that we are dust. It's, it's, it's difficult to say no uh, in a world where there are so many options available to us. It's so, it's so hard to say no when we are, you know, FOMO, F-O-M-O, you know, fear of missing out. It's so hard to say no to someone who wants me to slide this into my schedule, and I do it anyways, and then I end up not doing anything well. It's hard to, it's hard to say no because I want to be well-liked by somebody. It's, it's hard to say no because I have a bit of a savior complex, and I want to help that person too. Yesterday on the television, I didn't, think, I didn't even think about this until this morning, there was a Jim Carrey movie on called Yes Man. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But his chronic problem is saying no to everything. He misses out on life. And then he goes to a seminar and he becomes a yes man. And then he says yes to everything. In a sense, the movie shows the, the, the bad extreme of either one. I mean, you may, when you say no to everything, you miss out on life. And we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is becoming a yes person where we don't say no to anything. Saying yes to everything can, be an expense, can put us at expense of our own health and exhaustion, forgetting that we are people. We are people and not God. So let me put it this way. You may believe there is a God, but if you can't say no, it could be you are trying to take his place. And for, for many of us, it's just it's saying no is a way to fight the tyranny of the urgent and to fight exhaustion that could come into our own souls and bring us down, deep down in. So what I want to do at this point in the service, I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to put a prayer on the screen. And, and maybe this is you. Maybe this is, maybe this is a way for you to uh, stop the hurry in your life, stop this pace of life that's bringing you down, deep down in. And uh, I would just like you to look at the screen and make this prayer your own. I'm just going to stare at the screen for a few minutes and make it my prayer, and this is the way it goes. Father, I ask you to help me embrace my design, free me from my, sa my Savior-like tendencies, and help me to say no. In doing so, I admit that you're God and I am not. Make that your prayer, just deep down in. Okay, great. After the service, Ryan has some volunteer opportunities for you. He's going to ask you if you'd like to help out. You know what? Yes and no, it really requires wisdom, doesn't it? That's why we pray, we seek God's word. All right, let me go on. So we've talked about embracing our design. Let's talk about discovering what matters most. I'm going to show you a passage that many of you might be familiar with comes out of Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. 
Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listened to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, now, let me just give the context. Back in those days, in that culture, hospitality was highly valued. And I think in our culture, we value hospitality, but unlike many places in the world, it's supremely valued other places in the world, let me put it that way. And back then, it was supremely valued. So hospitality was, Martha was like Miss Hospitality. And it's not like Mary didn't understand the value of hospitality. She did, but she understood something at a, at a deeper level, and that was choosing to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And this really bugged Martha, and she made her frustrations known. And I'll put it in yellow at the very bottom. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. You can sense some bitterness growing there. So Jesus, with speaking the truth in love, with grace. This is what he says to Martha. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. It's commonly understood that Jesus is admonishing Martha or rebuking Martha or... or, uh, um, saying harsh things. He's not really doing that at all because he understands the value of hospitality and preparing a meal and that sort of thing. He's simply pointing to something that's higher and better, especially at that point in time, something better that Martha could be doing. Uh, just yesterday or two days ago, I was driving, listening to WCRF. I think it's 89.5 in this area. It's a great teaching radio station. And there was a call in time. And this guy calls in, and he was in depression. He was, he was really hurting, and he needed help. And um, he had been in a type of vocational ministry. And so the, 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 the host of the show started asking some questions, and then he says something so telling. I'll read, read to you what he said. He said, it seems like I was so busy, so busy serving the Lord, I forgot to be with the Lord. That's the story of Martha and Mary right there. Um, There's a guy by the name of Parker Palmer who says this, makes a compelling case that burnout typically does not come about because we've given so much of ourselves that we have nothing left. He tells us it merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. So we have two ladies. We have Mary, two sisters. Mary was filling her her tank, so to speak. She was filling her soul by sitting at the feet of Jesus. And here's Martha, who is just so busy and not doing that. Many years ago, I came across a, I don't know who said this, for the first, maybe you've heard this before, but I, I often think of it when, we, and when this theme comes up and it goes like this, when my output exceeds my input, my upkeep will be my downfall. And Jesus was just truthfully telling Martha that, hey, your upkeep is going to be your downfall. Your output is exceeding your input. Um, every, every, we all do different things in life. I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor at a church. I'm in vocational ministry. But we're all busy doing different things. 
And, I, you know, it's interesting. Much like the, the, the guy who called in the other day, I spent so much time serving the Lord that I failed to be with the Lord. Uh, man, I, it's, re, it's very easy for me as a pastor to make this a profession only. And, uh, you know, when I look at God's Word, when I spend time with you, it's only related to preparing something to, to deliver here. And it can just become such a professional thing that it, does, it fails to be a real personal thing. I, I love what I do. I love being a pastor. I love meeting with people. I love meeting people's needs. I love, I love saying yes when I can. I need to learn how to say no more often. But it's possibly professional and not nurture my soul. It's really easy to, in my position to be, a, to be a Martha and not be a Mary. And when you do that, it, it leads to exhaustion deep down in. And you may not work at a church, but you need to be careful, too, in your own life. You have to be very careful that you're not so busy, 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 hurried, hurried, distracted, and so on, that you fail to sit at the feet of Jesus. Otherwise, it can lead to some of the very things that he talked about earlier, irritability, restlessness, workaholism, out-of-order priorities, escapist behavior, and so on. This is what we just read. Jesus said this to uh, to Martha, there is only one thing worth being concerned about, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So Mary understood culturally that it was important to practice hospitality, to help people, and so on, but she understood what Martha did not, that we need to fill our souls with what is true and good and right and have the right perspective, and that came from planting herself at the feet of Jesus. Um, years ago, I remember coming across this passage, this verse in the book of, in the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, so just recently, over the holidays, I started reading through the Gospels, and I've been reading through the Gospel of Mark, and I came to it again. You know, I just love it when I come to this chapter, um, 1, verse 35, and I brought my Bible up here to read it to you. So the, the, the story is this, is that Jesus is doing these amazing miracles all over the place. And what we read in chapter 1 is that the, it says the entire town, get the, the entire town of Port Clinton showed up at his door. The entire town showed up at his door wanting to see more, hear more, watch him do more. And, and then it, it says this the next morning. It says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, like it is now, probably December, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, who is Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Wow. Jesus was so busy. Such a hurried life. And yet he took time to be with his father so he could regain perspective, have the strength to go and do in life what he's called to do 
much like what you are called to do, to be a mom or a dad or an aunt or uncle or a grandfather or a grandmother or a friend or at work, spending time with God. What a great thing to talk about at the edge of 2022, isn't it? I don't know what New Year's resolutions you have, but I would think doing what Mary did would be important. I'm going to put on the screen a prayer for us, like we did earlier, but this one is related to putting first things first. If this is your prayer, just pray it to yourself quietly. It goes like this. Father, I am tired of living on empty. I try to give what I don't have. Help me to discover what matters the most, receiving life and soul rest from you. Just read that for a moment and make that prayer if it applies. Really cool thing is not only does God want you to spend time with him, he wants to spend time with you. And he's given us his word, which is amazing. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your, your love for us, that you proved it by coming to us in the person of Jesus. You proved it by giving us your word. Now, help us to be wise. Help us to be wise, to understand our humanity and understand our need for time with you. Thank you. In this new year, help us to be disciplined that way. Thank you. Help us to send our roots down deep so that the fruit of our efforts would show. We depend upon you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.